Benvenuti a episodio 123. Welcome everyone to episode 123. First off, I want to apologize for last Wednesday's lack of a new episode, but it was yet another technical mostra di merda. <laughs> for those of you who were in on our previous Italian lesson class, mostra di merda is just the best three words to describe what happened last week. Very brief description. As I went along last week, the analytics weren't coming through in the two previous podcast hosts. There was a big mess up in the cloud and we finally settled. We're done. This will never change again. We're very happy where we are. We're with the big guys now. You know what they say? <laughs> go big or go home. Okay. Well, that was a brief, but I guess pretty thorough description. The point is we keep trying to improve in so many ways, not just our technical recording capabilities in the studio, but how our podcast is delivered to you each week. And we also really need to gauge our reach around the world. So now, tutto a posto. Absolutely. Everything is fine. Grazie Dio. I've been geeking out since Friday. <laughs> it's been very <laughs> and, exciting. And you know what? These uh, new analytics show that we have even more friends than we knew we did down under. So thank you, Aussies, for your dedication. Oh, down under, Poland, Germany, more in Italy, more in Denmark. I was just going to say the oh. teeniest country of Denmark where my closest friends live or where they're from, actually. They're Danish, but it's not you guys in Copenhagen as much as your fellow Vikings throughout the entire country. So talk Denmark. That's thank you. That means grazie. And speaking of grazie, let's collectively say grazie mille to everyone that does listen to us just about every single week. But this past one, we really appreciate your patience. And before we carry on, can I just say that we haven't been recording with a glass of wine in hand in, I don't know how long, too long. So I went to Usually the- Usually resort to just straight to cocktails. <laughs> no, no, no. During our recording sessions, we haven't had a cocktail or a glass of wine recently for whatever reason. Really? Yes. So, well, it's winter here in New England, so it's <laughs> scotch, scotch and red wine season. Uh, we are patiently awaiting a shipment from Toscana, from Tuscany, of Brunello, but it hasn't arrived yet. So I went to the store the other day and found a bottle of Monte Falco from Umbria. And Tommaso and I went to Monte Falco one day, and we'll tell you about that in a future episode. But Here's to our new podcast host, our new everything, and a, just a quick sip of Montefalco Rosso. Chin chin. Chin chin. Oh, delicioso. All right. We'd also like to thank several people who have left a review on Apple Podcasts recently, thanking us for, quote, the laughs, our amusing banter, and the information and details that we give away. And to be honest, Totally, I'm being serious here. Tommaso and I do laugh quite a bit because luckily, both of us have a good sense of humor. His comes from, uh, shall I say, his foul mouth. <laughs> 
foul-mouthed but hysterical sailing friends from around the world that he has spent so much time with. My humor comes from my dad. And fortunately, Tommaso and I really appreciate like what you just heard, a genuine good belly laugh. And, and also, you should hear the edits that Tommaso takes out while we're recording. Sometimes we crack ourselves up and say inappropriate, stupid things. So those are removed. It is labeled clean. Yes, correct. So anyway, thank you very much, JH197, Yosemite, and Sicilia. And I may have Sicilia pronunciation wrong because she has a few more extra E's than my version. And finally, thank you to all of those that took heed the last few weeks and engaged me to plan your 2024 trips earlier as opposed to later as I preach in each episode. And as some of these new clients are seeing, availability isn't as easy to come by for some dates. So for the rest of you, keep that in mind. Allora, back to where we left you off, which was in Pisa. This little city, as we mentioned in the last episode, is basically known for the Leaning Tower. But I promise you, there's so much more to see, to learn, and in Tommaso's case, to be in awe of, Mm -hmm. correct? La Piazza dei Miracoli, that means the Piazza of Miracles. It is truly a complete and utter gem. If you, this is where the Leaning Tower of Pisa is. If you could only strip away all the tourists that descend on this place every single day. So envision this. Let's say you were lucky enough to enter the complex through the main entry on some random day, and there wasn't a single tourist anywhere, absolutely no one. I promise you the sight of these buildings placed as they are, including the leaning tower that actually leans so much more in real life than in photos, it would truly make anyone stop dead in their tracks. Like what a combination of marble, architecture, and the lawn, the grass is Beautiful and, it's, and it's well. Al- it's almost an American lawn, which we very don't, good point. You don't see very much. Very not, good point. Not not our lawn particularly, <laughs> but our our neighbors' understatement. <laughs> yeah, our neighbors who have landscapers. So, when someone arrives in the main entrance to the Piazza dei Miracoli on foot, not for those that arrive on. I'm not putting anyone down that's on a tour bus, but if you are on a tour bus, you're dropped off in a totally different area. So if you arrive on foot from the little city, the first thing you see is the Leaning Tower. And as I mentioned, it leans in a very big way. I have one fact on that. If you took a plumb bob, took it to the top of the... of the Like that little blue string thing you have yeah, when we do with stuff? with a little weight on the bottom. Right, right. It would be 13 feet out from the base. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, because that's the 5.5 degrees they say it is leaning. Yes, yes. That's a long way, 13, 13 feet. 13, that's a better description visually. Yes. Okay. Well, anyway, you jumped ahead a little bit. Sorry. But now you know that fact. So once you enter and you get beyond the tilt of the Leaning Tower and you look at its marble facade, it is truly a stunning, beautiful bell tower. And they began construction on it in 1173. And of the eight stories, 
that all lean. Six stories are defined by arches carved from white marble, which then the whole building itself, as I was about to say, settled upon finishing. It didn't wait a year or two or 10 or 100. It started leaning instantly because of, you know, the composition of the soil below and to the 5.5 degrees, which Tomasa had a better visual for you, 13 feet out from the top. That's incredible. But a couple centuries later, with various heroic efforts, mostly underground, they have deemed that it can stand for another 200 years as is. So I say, go ahead, climb it so you can get to the top, which is kind of funny. We didn't do it this time, but I have done it before. I'm not going. <laughs> it's, a, it's too claustrophobic for me. Well, fine. It's funny, though, because you feel like you're, you've drank too much wine and you're just leaning as you walk. But from the top, you can see like a bird's eye view of the rest of this mm -hmm. the architecture in this piazza. So Tommaso and I walked into the Duomo first. And to be honest, Tommaso doesn't know I'm going to say this, but I was expecting him to do his usual thorough yet quick quick pass walk through and then i would find him patiently awaiting outside for me to get my normal church fix as in you know absorbing all the architectural and artistic appreciation which is why i'm such a fan of churches but lo and behold Tomasa was step by step with me the entire time in this duomo once in a while once in a while something I'm, something takes you like this hits me and the whole scale of it, the height, it's 100 feet tall inside. That's pretty high. And the many layers of the arched windows that let the light in, everything was so impressive. And as you know, I'm in awe of the Basilica Petronio. San Petronio Basilica in Bologna. San Petronio <laughs> in Bologna. And this one is equally as remarkable. <gasps> Did you guys hear that? Bravo, Tommaso. And if you think about the length of time it took to build it and everything and Romanesque architecture at the time, I mean, it really is amazing because this is one of the first locations in Italy where they started covering things in marble. Really? Yes. I didn't know R that. Romanesque architecture throughout Europe, very, very little of it is marble. Just the facade in some cases, you mean? Not even. Okay. Not even. Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, let's put it this way. Most people that go to Pisa, they go to the Leaning Tower, they walk around. Do they all enter these other buildings? Let's put it this way. Let's say the average tourist by themselves or with a family go to Pisa, they go to the Leaning Tower. They might walk in the, the Duomo or the other buildings, but I don't think... We'll put it this way. You don't hear enough about how in awe people are of the Duomo in Pisa. Everyone talks about the so, Duomo in Firenze. Because it's all about the Leaning Tower St. of Peter's, Pisa. Exactly. So people this, taking the selfie with the, oh, their hand up Madonna. like they're holding it up. Oh, that is so old and so annoying. Overdone. And now, in the old days, people did it with an old-fashioned camera. Now there were thousands of people doing it and... Whatever. It is what it is. However, let me share with you this Duomo. As Tommaso mentioned, the Romanesque factor. However, it also has Byzantine and Islamic architectural elements. That sounds weird, right? But somehow it all works together 
perfectly. Well, the Islamic stuff comes from the Pisans. They sailed across to the Holy Land during the... Sailed across, sailed down and under and over. Well, whatever, across. It's still across, down, under, and over. As the crow flies, it's across, <laughs> okay? And they went over there, and that's where they got the Islamic influence. And then also when the Pisans went down to Sicily, when they were in a battle down there. Interesting. That's where they got oh, the stripes right. with the different types of marble. Interesting. Well, all of that kind of added in because the Duomo was started in 1063, but not finished until 1118, which isn't that long compared to like the Duomo Milano. But I think that explains some of the architectural additions and influences. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to point this out too. Tommaso, do you remember when we left our palazzo where we were staying and we we're walking toward the Piazza dei Miracoli. And I said, wait until you see the marble floor of the Duomo. Do you remember that? Yes. So you probably had in your mind like, oh, it must be really amazing because she loves all Duomo floors. <laughs> but I have remembered all these years how in awe I was from the first time I went there. And when actually we walked in and the last thing we noticed was the floor because the rest of the structure, as we just described, was just mind-blowing. The volume, the height, the light flooding everywhere, the arch windows, the flat, incredible black and gold leaf ceiling. Wherever you looked, your eyes were just absorbing every single detail that just worked so well together. Even there, there were so many styles going on just was perfect. That's and, what happens when it takes you a few hundred years to figure right? it out. And then when I finally looked down at the floor, I thought, this is so not what <laughs> I remember. Because I had said it earlier and then we were walking, talking, and you know, maybe had a cappuccino or whatever. We went inside, we're like, oh, amazing. And then I finally looked down, I was like, mm, very frustrating. But then... When we finally left the Duomo and walked to the next building on our list, and you have to purchase tickets for all of this, anyone is welcome to walk around, but you cannot enter any of these buildings without a ticket. So I had purchased tickets to Campo Santo. When Tomas and I walked in that building, I was like, there it is, the amazing marble floor that I remember. I just had my buildings confused. Allora, Campo Santo Monumentale. That means the monumental cemetery or graveyard. However, I have mentioned in several episodes the word cimitero, which sounds like English. Cimitero is more commonly used for the word cemetery, but I personally prefer the translation of Campo Santo, the field of saints. Remember how in all the paleo races with the horses, it's always in the campo, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the field. So okay. Campo Santo. Yet, this Campo Santo had a building erected over it one century after all these saints were buried in the field. So the building, it was started in 1278, yet it took almost 200 years to complete this oblong building. But was it worth the wait? See, it's Cierto. <laughs> Bravo. It was, it was great because there aren't many buildings that are as wide open to the natural elements of this. And this is goes back to the Pisans going to the Holy Land. The tracery 
in the middle along the big courtyard mm-hmm. on the whole side. All of those things. Right. They never had glass, never had anything. That was imported, this design style, directly from the Middle East and Islam. Bravo. Well, you know what? All the elements involved make it literally one of my favorite buildings in Italy. And I think I say that a lot, but this it's true. <laughs> well, you did. You do say that a lot. If we could actually have a, a list of your favorite buildings... <laughs> It'd be very, very long. <laughs> let's do one entire episode <laughs> on it. Let's not. There's yes. not enough time. You guys, um, direct message me. Let me know. But what I found amazing about it was all of the floor, all of the, the, the graves in the floor and all of the different fonts from the different time periods. And some people didn't have enough money at the time, so they didn't have much carving on their on their stone. All right, you're jumping ahead a little bit. It's true. That adds up to be why it's my favorite, but I want to describe what it is. Um, I'm sorry. You could give me some notes at some point to follow up. (laughs) (laughs) I should take a picture of us in the studio right now with my notes (laughs) printed in front of you on your stand. Okay, Okay, sorry. Good. Yeah. All right, guys. Don't think I'm not organized here. All right. So the Camposanto, all of those saints and Religious people were buried in the field with these marble tops of their tombs. Then the building started in 1278, was built around it. And in the end, I also want to mention that it is a cloister. And for those of you who may not know exactly what a cloister is, I know you've heard of the word, but it basically means a covered walk that normally has a wall on one side and a colonnade on the other. However, in Campo Santo, it's not a colonnade. It's the arched windows that Tommaso just mentioned. The tracery. glass tracery. There's so many words in architecture that have stood the test of time. <laughs> I won't mention that book that I refer to now and then. Sir Bannister Fletcher's History of Architecture. Yes, he gave it to me earlier today and it's like 22 pounds and I was super busy and I was like, you look it up. <laughs> Back to the beauty about this cloister is that that solid wall I mentioned is filled with frescoes and marble carved sarcophagus, sarcophagi. I did look that up, the plural, sarcophagi. But let me go back to the frescoes. 2,600 meters, 2,600 square meters of frescoes. In the Campo Santo. That's the, it's in a greater expanse than the Sistine Chapel. What? Yes. Dio mio. Pop that one on you, didn't I? Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow, that's impressive. And we will get into this, or should we mention now, that a lot of them were damaged during World War II. Are you going to bring that up later? I am, go ahead. Okay, carrying on. <laughs> All right, so also on the solid walls, the opposite walls from the windows, there are vertical marble monuments to a specific saint placed against the wall with their coffin or sarcophagi below them or below the statues of themselves, I should say. So as you walk around, literally design, detail, craftsmanship, every single inch you look at, especially the floors, every inch of those marble tops or tombs of those saints buried below. And and again, the stunning graphic design that Italians have had running through their bloodstream 
since the beginning of mankind, I kid you not, is on display in this building. So basically, in summary, my opinion is the entire interior of Camposanto can keep your eyes busy absorbing every single thing you take in, which is endless and all of it amazing in my opinion. And even if you're not a fan of architecture or art or design, I highly doubt that anyone could just walk through that building and not feel something or not be impressed. Yeah, it would be impossible. Matter of fact, if you are, don't be a fan of this podcast <laughs> if you're not impressed. So these frescoes that are all around the Campo Santo, the last one was done in the early 17th century. Wow. And as we mentioned a little bit previously here, there was a fragment that fell from the sky during one of the Allied raids and it ignited- in World War II. Yes, ignited the roof and it burned for three days. Oh, oh. And- it, it was, was a wood roof. It was a wood roof and a huge amount of the sarcophagi and the frescoes were damaged. And the monuments men- Matt Damon, George Clooney. The movie. The movie. Wait, but uh, about a real life story. About the real guys who did it. Right. Um, you know, they came back and saved a lot of the sarcophagi that were there. From Campo Santo? Yes. They did a lot of the work to help get get people understanding what was there. Right. And to get it out. Right. And right after World War II, the initial effort to rescue the frescoes was organized by Dean Keller, who's actually the monuments men. Okay. the leader of the monuments men. And basically pieces of the frescoes were then salvaged and a temporary roof was erected to prevent further damage. After World War II, you know, they started putting stuff back together, but as they put the frescoes back up and reassembled them, moisture got in oh. and they deteriorated further. Even more so. So, oh. so now they actually have matte sensors behind the frescoes, which are plus or minus three degrees from the ambient temperature to keep the mold out. Constantly. Constantly. Wow. Every 10 seconds. What? Every 10 seconds. Dang, I wish I knew that before we went in. Yeah, well. well the ceiling itself now is replaced also yep. with wood, a dark timber wood. It's And that is part of the beauty of it because you have all this black and white marble and then this dark timber wood roof. Oh, so much to know about this building you really need to go you guys i promise you, you'll love it and we were super lucky it was the beginning of october and we literally had this building to ourselves for at least an hour you couldn't drag me out of there and maybe one or two people entered our you know private tour by ourselves but i don't even remember seeing them however i just flipped through my photos earlier today and i'm like Oh, the nerve of that guy to go walking <laughs> by me. I didn't even recognize him. But it, it is really an amazing place. Highly recommend it. And my biggest suggestion is do not do a day trip to Pisa. Go from Florence or Luca, wherever you are, go and spend the night. Go late. We went late. We thought it was late enough, not late enough, but 6.30 we went. But it was a beautiful Saturday, warm evening, and it was like a party environment, you know, outdoors and whatever. So do go to Pisa, stay the night, at least one night, and go in all the buildings in Piazza dei Miracoli. All right, so when we finally left there, Tommaso and I walked to 
a stunning place for dinner. I had read about it and the lovely people at our palazzo made a reservation. So my no, hunger pain had dragged you yeah, out of the Campo Santo. The thing is, the only time frame available because it was a Saturday night was 8:30, which is kind of early for a Saturday night in Italy. But believe me, according to him and what he just said, we were there at 8:30. <laughs> he was like, "Let's go." On Diamo. So we entered this idyllic, perfectly quintessential Tuscan restaurant, and we were seated next to a table of these very fun, happy Scandinavian women. And other than that, every other table, all Italians. And that's when you know, like, good sign in one of the most tourist little cities in all of Italy, Pisa for the Leaning Tower. We were with a bunch of Italians and some very cute and blonde Scandinavian girls that had big cackle laughs also, remember? Mm -hmm. So, and what was the best part, Tommaso? We asked for our bottle of wine and that was it. They just left us. Yeah. They didn't rush us. That, no to say one. the least, they it was, left. That's an understatement, that's right? an understatement. So we ordered a bottle of a local Terre di Pisa, as I mentioned in the previous episode. And, you know, we ate like the best thin breadsticks I think I've ever had in my life. I'm not normally like a fan. We just ate them, looked at all the people in the restaurant, talked about our little Campo Santo and Duomo experience. And then we ordered a pasta. We each had a handmade tagliatelle. Yours was with a... Boar. Boar, yes. yeah. And it was among the best boar that I had during the whole trip, which I, I, I basically tried to uh, make the boar extinct in Italy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I ate a lot of boar this trip. <laughs> it was good. Okay, it was fresh. I'm, I'm happy for it you. It was fabulous. The the tagliatelle itself was amazing. Yes, yes. Mine was a spicy tomato, not quite arrabbiata, but just perfect. And that's all we had. Wine, breadstick, and tagliatelle. Maybe, did we split a tiramisu? I don't remember. Sounds like it could have been a possibility because we did do that occasionally. It, the the tiramisu from... Parma, we'll Parma. get to that later. Uh, we'll get to that later, but that has... That has Best of his life. Has just killed... Killed everything before. <laughs> anyway, quickly, because we just want to end up with this funny story of how we got out of there. Another lovely sleep in our palazzo. Went to the patisseria the next morning for another swan-topped cappuccino from the same barista. And when we walked in, he just looked at us and smiled like, how did he remember us from like yesterday or the day before? My There's a gazillion tours there, but... My darling, you are hard to forget. Oh. oh. <laughs> so sappy, but so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe it's because I kept saying, que bella, but I didn't know the word for swan. <laughs> anyway, so he did it for us again. And then we got our luggage, walked down to the car, and to tell you the truth, because we had a pass to park in the residential area, I was so worried that the carabinieri would have looked at the video footage from three days earlier to see our white tipo driving through every single restricted area when we entered. Three weeks later, we are still waiting. I know. We haven't gotten any notice yet. Any tickets from... From the rental car from company. From everything speeding. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, knock on wood. There you go. So, the car was there. I was like, okay, that's a good sign. 
And we get in. Tomasa starts driving. I open Google Maps to find our way out of the city to head south. And actually, I should um, preface here that the few days before, we kept seeing these signs for Maratona, Maratona, Domenica, Marathon, Sunday. We saw them. Did it register? We saw the whole setup yeah, on right. the Arno. Did it register us no, no. to the, us that morning? Knuckleheads. No. no. So... We start driving and like a dope, I made some comment like, wow, maybe Pisans aren't that, you know, early risers. And you said like, I know, no kidding. There's not a single car on the street. <laughs> and then we turned the corner to head where we wanted to go, according to Google Maps. And there was the Maratona, all the runners in the marathon coming right at us. But luckily... There was a man in a, you know, bright orange outfit, or bright orange, you know, vest. He was a policeman. No, he wasn't. That's the point. He was directing the runners. He was a volunteer for the Maratona. He was directing runners into the city. So he was telling them to go off the river, take a ride into the city. And we like slowed down and thought, oh, Dio mio, what are we going to do? But then he saw us peripherally turned and gave one look at us literally obviously we're tourists we don't look italian at all he rolled his eyes back i'm like oh my (laughs) god this is gonna be so bad and he's still like motioning with his arms for all the runners and so he's going like that and turning his head and looking at us and i said mi scusa mi scusa mi dispiace ma non lo sapevamo mi dispiace So basically I said, I'm so sorry. We forgot. We didn't know about this. And I'm really sorry. And he looked back at me and goes, Ankyo, which means me too. (laughs) And so then I said, well, you know, like, what should we do? How should we get out of here? And then he looked a little snarky and goes, Mi sembra un ufficiale del tráfico. Do I look like a police officer? I mean, a um, traffic officer. We're like, Okay. He goes, Vai indietro, back up. We're like, okay. So, so Tommaso. I, so I put it in reverse. Goes backwards, backwards, go back backwards. And you know, you can't go backwards that fast because there's only one speed. It's called reverse. It's right. Not, you're running through five. <laughs> and then I thought I saw a place to back into to turn around and go forward. And I did back into it. And it was a quick stop. A very quick stop. <laughs> yes. One of those low concrete barriers that yes. actually are there to prevent people from driving into the historic like zone. Bozos like me. So, yes. boom, he hits it and we're like, oops. And then I wondered if that would actually have a dent, but who cares? We needed to get out of there. So, we had to go in the opposite direction. It was a complete, it was mayhem. So, as we started going in the opposite direction, we went west. under. We had to go we had, west. We had to go west. So, we thought, oh, there's a bridge. You had Google Maps going all the time. And I just want to say to everyone out there that like all other good couples in this world, <laughs> this was purely no, a no-stress event. It was all puppies and chocolate. Oh, right. Puppies oh, and were, chocolate. There are no swear words no. whatsoever <laughs> when you hit that concrete barrier. I was like, oh, pumpkin. So pu- sorry. Puppies and chocolate. <laughs> anyway, we go down to this roundabout and they three or four policemen there and they just wave us on. And so we We had go- no option. We had no option. So Kimberly... Google Maps is trying to tell us how to get out of there. And we thought we could get out somewhere down the road at another bridge. And all of a sudden, we end up on this dirt road, 
right next to the embankment from the Arno. It was on our left. And we're going along, we're going along, and we went about two On Google Maps, though, let me just say, it showed that it was a viable option. It showed it was a road. It was a road in one way. But made it, If dirt. anyone came the other way. Oh, yeah. It, right. it, it was hard pack. It was, wasn't quite a dirt road yet. And we went down there. Dude, there was dust flying behind us. It was a dirt road, you guys. Anyway, anyway. carry on. <laughs> so we go down this road for two and a half miles, four kilometers, and we're going along. And there's and, Well, it finally went back to pavement. Well, it, it, irrespective of that, there was one or two houses on the right and nothing else. And just the embankment on the left and yeah. no one around. I'm right. Like, where the hell are we going? So all of a sudden we show up this little sort of semi-minuscule group of houses. It, you, it wasn't a village. It was just like three or four different houses at this intersection and a big gate to that right. park. Right, we go. So you used to go, oh, there's a way out the other end. Of the park. So of if the you park. enter the park and then drive north, we can go the whole distance of this park that was taking up a lot of space on Google Maps and we could exit north, which is the opposite direction than we wanted to go, but then we could find an autostrada and go south. So that was the plan. We go into here again, 2.75 miles. I measure this on Google Earth today. That's it? Yeah. It seemed like. Well, we weren't going that fast. That's it. It seemed like 20 miles. It was pretty nice looking. Anyway, we drive down this whole thing all the way to the end. But wait, just give the picture. There's all these Pisans on Sunday with their dogs and their kids and their playing soccer and, and there's horses yeah. and it was, it was very nice right and we get to the end and it ended no yeah. more road again puppies and chocolate <laughs> <laughs> oh and then finally Tomasa goes there was like an old kind of hotel looking building at the end and he goes go in and find someone and ask i'm like what am i gonna ask there's no more road he goes just do it i was like Okay, so I went in, I found actually a woman cleaning, like a, you know, a house cleaner, cleaning a room, and I asked her, and she looked at me, she goes, no, finito, the road stops, it's done, I'm like, super. So we had to turn around, drive back, and all of this took so long that by the time we finally got back, most of the crowds had dispersed yes, a bit. Yes, exactly. And we never got on the route that we thought we would take we actually had to take like a less attractive way we took that first bridge over right the roundabout right. the first one oh, and there. that was like very um it was, unattractive it was through an industrial area yes anyway so all of that wasted time for a um it was all our fault we are claiming full responsibility we should have remembered about the maratona left really early or started in a whole different direction but whatever our fault losing all that time when we had to get to our next stop in southern tuscany we both had to get back into our reset mode after that wonderful chocolate and puppies event <laughs> it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad no of course it never is going for the drama it never is in hindsight is it no. <laughs> so we finally get on the road got onto the autostrada and started to see Tuscany. Right. Tuscany, the hills Tuscany. showed up and everything ended up to be perfecto. So the moral of this whole story is even a seasoned Italian traveler can make rookie mistakes that screws up the best made plans. But is it worth the story? 
Yes. It, it is. It's also a great relationship builder. <laughs> Stop with that. Just a- Gosh. So that drive ended us in Southern Tuscany at the most perfect farm house stay or farm stay, whatever you want to call it, imaginable. And we will tell you about that next week. Va bene? Va bene. Okay. Grazie mille tutti. Ci vediamo, ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.